Welcome everyone, we are about to begin Vezes Hashem, Shalom Bayer Shir, number 236. Uh, past two Shir, we were talking about pitfalls uh, the married couples have, that if continuous could lead to estrangement, divorce. Um, we talked about harsh startups, that when you have a conflict or disagreement, when you start the first few minutes of it being very harsh, it's doomed for failure and it only cause, causes ill feelings. And it's best to do your best, in the, especially in the beginning of such conversations, to do it with a calmness, with a kindness, and with a respect. And then we talked about uh, f- uh, four aspects, what he calls four horsemen, horsemen um, predictors of divorce if it continues in a real negative way. And we talked about in last year about the difference between healthy complaining when you express yourself uh, in a calm way, in a way that is solution-oriented, even when you disagree or are upset about something, versus criticism, harsh criticism, which is, uh, which is very, um, it's an attack mode and blaming the person as a person. The second aspect after um, criticism that really hurts marriages tremendously is contempt. Contempt is sarcasm, cynicism, Name-calling is part of that, rolling your eyes, mocking, or humor even, using it in a hostile way. Contempt is very poisonous to a relationship because it conveys disgust. It's impossible to resolve a problem when one of the spouses is getting the message that you're disgusted with him or her, and it leads to more conflict rather than to reconciliation. And uh, people, unfortunately, are masters at this. Um, They have sharp tongues, and um, they use this to really destroy their spouse. Um, And they use it, it doesn't mean that they yell and scream. This is the real crazy part about it. You could use a calm voice and still be terribly contemptuous. And, um, you know, you you assume a high moral ground, and so on. And it's brought down scientifically. There's studies that couples who are contemptuous of each other are more likely to suffer from infectious illnesses such as colds, flus, and so on more than other people. It's fueled contempt by long-simmering negative thoughts about your spouse. And you're more likely to have such thoughts if your differences are not resolved. So it's, you know, it's really... A real painful um, aspect that really has to be uh, removed. Belligerence also, aggressive anger uh, that contains these threats that are sometimes open, that are sometimes hidden, provoking, um, you know, provoking. For example, a wife uh, complains to her husband she, he, that he doesn't come home from work in time for the normal supper time. And the belligerent response is, well, what are you going to do about it? Or sue me. Um, And he may even think that he's doing this in a joking way, you know. Call me Tadin Tyra, you know. But it sounds like a joke, but that's called belligerence. It's contemptuous and it's very hurtful. Another thing is defensiveness. Um, Defensiveness can also escalate a conflict. Um... When you um, 
you know, instead of being defensive, you basically, um, you acknowledge what's going on. Um, but, but, but being defensive usually does not, ha doesn't, doesn't help. And it escalates the conflict and, um, it's, it's, it's all these things are harmful to a marriage and, um, stonewalling is one of the worst stonewalling is when you tune out completely and usually it starts with those other things that we talked about prior the defensiveness the criticism the contempt the harsh startups and eventually they tune out from one another so he gives an example like you know when a husband let's say comes home from work gets met with a whole you know list of criticisms from his stay-at-home wife let's say and he responds what does he respond he turns on the tv or you know in a more from home he'll just put his nose in a in a safer or whatever and the less responsive he is the more she yells and then what does he do he'll get up and leave the room so instead of confronting his wife and addressing whatever the issues are he disengages he turns away from her now, he's avoiding a fight, but he's avoiding his marriage too. That's called being a stonewaller. And both husbands and wives can do a great job at stonewalling. It's more common, though, among men in all kinds of marriages um, that we'll be discussing why men typically have this issue more. The women sometimes use a certain form of stonewalling, a silent treatment, but the men are more prone to this. And, um, you know, when you have a typical conversation between two people, the listener usually gives cues to the speaker that he's paying attention. He'll use eye contact, he'll nod his head, he'll say, yeah, uh-huh. A stonewaller doesn't give this casual feedback. He looks away or down without uttering a sound when his wife's talking to him. And he sits like an impassive stone wall. He acts as though he couldn't care less as to what you're saying and, you know, and, and, and as if he's not even hearing it. And usually stonewalling arrives later in the course of a marriage when the first three uh, issues come up first. The criticism, the contempt, and the defensiveness usually come first. And then ultimately, after a while, there's this stonewalling where you just basically tune out. And um, that's, that's really a, a, a real terrible thing that has to be avoided. People use stonewalling when a Rebbe's upset at a particular Talmud. He'll ignore him. Um, or when he talks to him, he won't respond Things like that. People do that. Parents to children sometimes when they're upset about a particular, to a particular, uh, by Shabbos table. Let's say very angry for some reason at a, at a particular child of yours, teenage child, any child, and by the Shabbos table, you know they'll talk to you and you won't respond, and you'll 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 only respond to the other children, and uh, you're doing that, and you're doing that intentionally and maliciously. Basically telling, you know, I'm not, you know, you're, you're not part of this. So all of this is terrible in all dynamics and certainly in marriage. And we have to be very careful to do the opposite, opposite of all these things.
And then uh, he says something that talks about flooding. What does flooding mean? Um, when someone stonewalls as a protection, uh, sometimes they stonewall because they're physically overwhelmed. It's a sensation called flooding. What does flooding mean? Flooding means when then when your spouse's negativity is so intense and so sudden that you're like shell-shocked. You're, you're so defenseless against it. Your husband came home and just blew up at you in, in, a, in a real crazy way. Or your wife just kept on eating at you and, and, and stabbing and really hurting you deeply. And you feel so defenseless and even shocked at these attacks that you get flooded and overwhelmed by, by it. You're not going to admit it. You're not going to acknowledge it. Maybe externally it doesn't look like you're feeling flooded, but you're actually feeling flooded. You're feeling overwhelmed by your spouse's harsh criticism or by their contempt. And, um, and then what happens is, is that you become very hypervigilant and very weary and very nervous about when your spouse is going to blow up again, like a ticking time bomb. And sometimes what the other spouse does is protects themselves against that onslaught and disengages emotionally. So in other words, we talked about how stonewalling is used as a offense mechanism when you want to hurt the other person and you do it in this passive-aggressive way of stonewalling, of not talking, not, not responding to them, not taking their cues as if you're not listening at all to them, not paying attention, walking out of the room, and you're doing that as an offensive, hurtful way towards your spouse. But then there is the defensive stonewalling, where the reason why you're disengaging is because you're flooded, because you've been, you know, you walked into the house, and or the first thing you got, you got 10 minutes of schleck, you know, and you're just overwhelmed by it. So you stonewall and you shut down to avoid that, you know, that feeling because they can't handle the hostility anymore. And so this, all these factors are factors that John Gottman studied and realized that all of these done all the time or consistently leads to divorce. And when you break that trend, it leads to healing and ultimately, you know, a healing of the marriage and uh, to save the marriage and have it thrive when you do the opposite of what all these things represent. Part of it also is body language. The, uh, the physio uh, physiological readings of another person. Um, and um, now what happens is they monitored couples when their bodies change, when there's a tense discussion, and they see from the monitoring them how physically distressing flooding is the heart speeds up um and uh the typical heart rate for a man is about uh of, of about 30 is 76 and for a woman it's about an age it's about the of the same age 30 it's 82 and when uh, you are um flooded with these you know, difficult emotions, it starts beating 100 beats per minute or 106, uh, as, even as high as 165 beats per minute. They noticed they actually did these changes. They noticed these changes under stress, how your heart pumped faster and faster. 
And this constantly could create a lot of stress and um, adverse effect to health. Hormonal changes also occur. There's a secretion of adrenaline which kicks in. It's like a fight and flight response. Blood pressure increases. Changes are so dramatic that when one spouse is frequently flooded during a marital discussion, it's easy to predict that unless the dynamic between them changes, they'll end up getting divorced. And um, recurring episodes of flooding leads to divorce for two reasons, he says. Reason number one is, it signals if you're being flooded, meaning you're overwhelmed by the your spouse's um, onslaught of criticism and yelling or, or, or bashing you, is that it signals that at least one partner feels severely, they feel severe emotional distress when dealing with the other one. Also, the physical sensation of feeling flooded, the increased heart rate, the sweating, and all these things make it impossible to have a productive problem-solving discussion. When your body goes into overdrive like that in an argument, it it responds in a very primitive way. Um, And um, basically, the pounding of the heart, the sweating, the the tenseness, the hands, you know, your hands shake somewhat, and all this is your body's... um, a perception that you have a situation that's dangerous or threatening and the yelling and screaming and the harsh criticism is how your body feels when it's under that stress so that's why you know when you have these like high uh, emotional angry discussions when these bodily changes take place under stress it's impossible or very, very hard to pay attention to what your spouse is actually saying and to solve any given problem. It's sort of reflex now. You know, it's like a fight or, or flight. What is fight or flight in this, in this sense? Fight would mean you act critical, you're contemptuous, you're defensive. Or flight, you flee, means you stonewall. And resolving the issue now is, is come out impossible. And um, a discussion will probably worsen the situation because you're not uh, talking along those t- t- uh, um, tones. And um, we said before that 80% or 85% of marriages, the stonewaller is usually the husband. Um, and whatever the reasons are, Part of it is because females in general are more nurturing with their children and males are more in, you know, the protective mode and so on. And um, nursing mothers will say, as an example, the amount of milk that they produce in the nursing stages is affected by how relaxed you feel. And um, they quickly know how to soothe themselves and calm down after feeling stress they have natural abilities to remain composed. Um, but in the male, it's usually the opposite. You know, they, they are the quote-unquote protectors. That's how Shem put it into their system. Survival skills and so on. And they have this adrenaline that kicks in when they feel threatened. And therefore, um, they tend to react and protect themselves. And mo- very often that protection comes in the form of the stonewalling, which is unhealthy, but that's the reason why it happens, and they need to counteract it. And the truth is, 
biologically, he says, based on studies, that men are more overwhelmed by marital conflict than, than, than their wives are, which is fascinating because on one hand, you would say, the Chazal say, that that she's more you know she cries more easily a woman more sensitive more hurt emotionally when you say something harsh those that is actually true but on the other hand men have and it's hidden because it's within them and they keep a strong front a lot of times and a tough front but they're very traumatized and overwhelmed by marital conflict and very men that are strong men that could deal with you know tough situations in business and in other situations feel very overwhelmed when they're 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 in uh, you know when their wives are attacking them and they tend to respond by being contemptuous or belligerent or making themselves out like they're innocent and so on. Now, again, this is just a generalization. Um, and um, it's not always that way. Sometimes it could be the opposite. But the key is, of the last three shiurim that we just gave, that may seem very depressing, talking about these common pa- pa- patterns that could lead to estrangement and divorce. But the reason and the tayelas and the purpose of talking about these th- past three shiurim in particular is that First of all, even in stable marriages, you'll find it from time to time. And every, that's another thing you have to be realistic about. There will be situations under stress where everything we discussed here, not that it's right, but it'll happen. Even good people, and they work on their midas, will slip sometimes into a contempt or a stonewalling or walk out of a room when they shouldn't have and so on and so forth. And then they get back to themselves. So having some of these symptoms, so to speak, shouldn't shake a person and think, "Uh uh-oh, we're in trouble. But if it takes a permanent residence in the marriage, if either partner always feels flooded, always is contemptuous, or very often is contemptuous, and complains in the critical way, and so on, it's very likely that it will fall apart. And that's why it's so important to reverse this trend and to do everything you can to do the opposite of this and to to heal the marriage. And ultimately, you won't just heal the marriage like, you know, repairing damage, but it'll actually create a atmosphere that will cause the marriage to, to thrive in a great way. Have a wonderful day.